You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. your inside pass to everything Saints football. We'll take you to the places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, Hakeem got the ball! Turn, picks a flow! And touchdown the hell is frozen over. of the 2022 season. It is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. Oh, baby! Welcome all to another edition of Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak bringing you, well, we've got a fan favorite and a not-so-favorite heading off to Philadelphia. Uh, we're talking about some roster cuts and uh, some players that are starting to get added back to the practice squad. And also, we learned of a person also going on injured reserve. Jeff, the action never seems to stop around this squad. But yeah, we're going to get into a lot of the CJ Gardner-Johnson trade, a lot of my takes about it specifically, at least I think, because I have some strong feelings <laughs> about how all of that went down. We can get into some of that. You know, people have been going pretty hard on Twitter. Um, but then we're also just going to kind of react to what actually happened in the 53-man roster, some surprises that, you know, might have Caught us off guard. I think I was pretty on point with most of my picks. Linebacker really just threw me completely for a loop, which I, you know, I said going in was the position I felt least confident about. So at least, at least I have that. But yeah, so let's just kind of set up what happened here, which is CJ Gardner Johnson early Tuesday morning was sent to Philadelphia. CJ Gardner Johnson and a 2025 seventh round pick was traded in exchange for a 2023 fifth-round pick and a 2024 sixth-round pick. 
Now that doesn't scream uh, <laughs> top top end return uh, to me. So I think what you're seeing there is the Saints had to trade him. They knew that they could not hold on to him. They didn't trust that he was going to be a good sport about not getting his contract and not be a an issue in the locker room. And as we know, CJ, he's a vocal guy. He's not a guy who's going to just sit there and be quiet, you know? So you understand why a team might be like, yeah, we can't, we can't deal with this and move on. But it's aggravating to me because the issue with CJ wasn't that, you know, a salary cap thing. I saw a few people coming back and saying it was a salary cap thing. This wasn't a salary cap thing. This was a, a just fundamental, like, roster building thing where the Saints don't feel like the value is there at slot corner to pay at the top of the cornerback market. And you knew that going in. So why was it allowed to get to this point? Why didn't you, why didn't you handle this at the beginning of camp, at which point the organization knew that it wasn't going to pay CJ what he, what he wanted? So why did we get all the way through camp? And then at the end of camp, when all of your leverage is gone and the, all the teams that you're going to be potentially trading with know that you have no bargaining power, then all of a sudden you're just giving them away for peanuts, right? That's what bothers me the most. It was just poor planning. And I, I'm usually a, a fan of how this front office operates and how they, they kind of build out their long-term strategy in terms of the salary cap, in terms of the roster. This, I think, is an example of them tripping over their own feet. And, you know, the, and, the, and the Eagles were the ones that benefited from this. And what's funny is there was no other team especially somebody in the AFC that you could have done a deal with. Like there wasn't this big return, obviously that we saw uh, we didn't hear from CJ Gardner Johnson at all during training camp only during it was either OTAs or mini camp where he went on his rant on how he was the top corner in the NFL. And we knew then right then he was sending that message of, I am looking to get paid and the saints weren't willing to do that. Although I don't think the saints are willing to pay any safety if you look at all the guys that have gone out the door with Malcolm Jenkins, even after a rookie, his rookie contract was up, he left. Kenny Vaccaro, Von Bell, the, the list, I guess, could go on with, with safeties. They don't seem to be willing to pony up for that. But with C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you got the sense that it was going to be a locker room issue and they were kind of forced their hand on having to do something now. Yeah, and, and again, I don't think it was an issue of like, okay, we can't afford to pay this guy, they could have figured it out if they if they felt like it was sure, it was right. it made sense to do. But you know, like the salary cap is not in dire straits to the point that you couldn't have found a way to pay this guy nine to twelve million dollars. The issue was they don't feel like slot corner, specifically slot corner, is merits that type of payday. And we're gonna see this come through again in next summer when we find out that they don't feel like kick returner is merits a top end payday because they feel like they can replace that position, right? And the fact is you had Bradley Roby just kind of waiting in the wings. And, you know, that was the trade you made at the beginning of last season that felt like a necessity that all of a sudden didn't feel like a necessity by the end because Paul Sodebo played so well. But now you you have that guy under contract and he makes sense to throw into the slot along with the PJ Williams, maybe Alante Taylor. And again, my issue was not so much that you traded CJ. It was the fact that, you wasted reps all training camp. You should have been able to plan for this. Like, I get that things happen that are outside of your control as an organization, but this should have been predictable, right? We should have been able to see this coming. 
that if you're not going to give him that contract, he's not going to be a good sport about it. And, and I don't know how many ways he could have possibly told us other than the way he told us. Um, he feels like he's the top slot corner in the NFL and he deserves to be paid that way. And keep in mind, this is a unique situation because he's a fourth round pick. He's not a first round pick. He's not a second round pick, even a third round pick. He's a fourth round pick. So he's played his first three years on what he, I'm sure, feels is an incredibly sub-market deal, even by standards of a mid-round pick. I mean, he's basically netted like three and a half million dollars over the course of his first three years in the NFL, which, you know, sure, it sounds like a lot to the average person, the average lay person, not to the average starting nickel corner in the NFL, right? So, like, if I'm CJ, I'm like, man, you have gotten my services at a steep discount for three years, and now you won't even pay me? And I get it. I get it. But why didn't the Saints get this early on? Because if you're trading, you made a major trade with the Eagles in the offseason. I was going to say that the, the Saints kind of did get it with the drafting of Alante Taylor in the second round. but Right. They, they drafted so, his replacement. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, you made a deal with the Eagles early in the offseason where you gave up a good amount to get an extra first round pick. If you work CJ into that trade, you tell me you couldn't work CJ into that trade then and maybe massage some more assets or maybe limit what you had to send back? No, it was just poor planning. It was the team thinking that they could find a way and they didn't. And, you know, and it's frustrating. And I tweeted this. The issue to me is not the trade. The issue is there's no like redeeming quality to this trade. There is no silver lining. The team is worse today than it was on Monday. Right. And I tweeted that, and people seem to think I was saying this is a bad defense now. I'm not saying it's a bad defense. I'm just saying the defense, whatever, whatever you would rate the defense as, whatever number you would put on it in terms of quality, whatever the Madden rating might be, right? Sure. On Monday, it was here, and today it is below that. I don't know how far below that, and that's the question, is how much does this impact your defense? You did not get better. And if you're not getting better, you're getting worse, in my opinion. The one thing I guess you could say, maybe the the roster did get better for the fact that the locker room, the distraction, kind of the noise around C.J. Gardner-Johnson, the problem maybe he was creating because it, it definitely seemed all of a sudden to happen really rapidly with the Eagles. Like, all the, you know, the, the trade went down and he was out of here. We had heard so, a little bit of chirping at practice. Uh, when he he was holding in, he wasn't even part you know taking part in in most of the drills going on, and so I just got to think it became more and more of a a locker room issue than anything for this team. No, yeah, and that's why you ultimately had to trade him. That's the thing. Like I saw people saying, well, they should have just kept him around and played out that year, and then maybe if he leaves, you get a comp pick. I think it was beyond that. I think it was yeah. beyond saying no, CJ, you're under contract for a year. Because again, we know what we know about CJ. What makes fans love him is he's in he's in as a nuisance. He's an ag agitator, right? And when that's pointed outward, it's great. It makes your right. team better. When that's directed inward, that's a problem, right? It's a problem when Michael Thomas is punching him in the face in practice, right? That's a problem. <laughs> and you know, some players, I think you could probably find a way to massage that and figure out how to how to make it work. Right. Marcus Williams played on a franchise tag and he didn't seem to at least not openly dislike what was happening with him uh, in terms of that contract. Right. But I'm sure he didn't like it. He wanted to go get a deal and he couldn't get it. So there are, you know, in certain cases, I think you can manage it. In this case, I don't think you could have. I think CJ is just too big of a personality. He's too, 
he's too bombastic, right? He's too explosive as a personality to trust that he would not have torn that locker room to shreds. Because you know that, you know, whether he would have or not, right? You know that he has the ability to, to leave that locker room in shambles, right? He is a mental ninja. And he can subvert anything that you're trying to do if he wants to. And I think that got to the point where the Saints felt like he might want to, <laughs> you know? And, and that, that's the point where you just have to pull the trigger. And they wanted to do it before the cutdown so they could save a roster spot. And that makes sense. But I think the return you got and the fact that you traded him to an NFC rival that you are playing this year tells you that there was not, you know, that you, you did not have leverage and you did not have a huge market for him. So if there was even the slightest idea that, okay, we're just going to hold on to him, you would have done it. And they didn't. So, yeah, I think that kind of speaks for itself. Yeah, not only playing the Eagles, but definitely a team you could be jostling for for a wild card spot with. Right. Um, it's It was definitely odd to me. I would definitely uh, think you would try to ship him over to the AFC, and it's just wild to think that no other team was willing to pony up so little for a guy like Gardner Johnson is because of probably his contract demands and what he's looking for. Uh, are the Eagles going to really pay him top cor- top slot corner or top safety money? You know, the reports are that they're going to move him more to the safety position instead of being in that nickel role. Well, I think it's just because by the time you got to the point where you were trading him, other teams were well aware of the situation. They're aware of, of why you're trading him and the fact that he's going to want that big deal and blah, blah, blah. And that really limits, A, who you can trade with and B, who would be interested in trading with you. I think there was also a time constraint element because I don't think this was a conversation that had been going on all offseason. Otherwise, again, you made a big trade with the Eagles in the offseason, not that long ago. If he was on the table then and the Eagles had interest then, that I think it would have been worked in then. I just see this as a really... I don't know. It's it's not a good look, and I don't think it's going to ruin the season. I don't think it's going to make this defense that much less formidable. But you didn't get better, right? This isn't a trade that you can say you got better at. You know, maybe you strike gold with that fifth-round pick. But, like, a sixth-round pick? You just cut your sixth-round picks from this season. Jordan Jackson right. just got cut yesterday. So <laughs> you can't say that this is about picking up assets. CJ was a fourth-round pick, and you hit gold on that. That's rare. Just adding a fifth round pick is not anywhere near the value that you that you can argue like this was a good move. This was a move that had to happen. I had someone say, well, if it had to happen, then it's a good thing. And I said, well, if I drive my car into a lake, I'm not riding my bike to work thinking, well, at least I don't have to buy gas anymore. You know, that had to, I had to ride my bike to work, but it wasn't a good thing. It was a necessity. And I think, you know, while that metaphor has some holes in it. <laughs> Just like my uh, my my metaphorical car, um, it's not a good thing. I actually had one good response. It was like, yeah, but what if the car was on fire and that's why you drove into the lake? And I was like, touche, that's good. Um, right. But yeah, it's, at, yeah, CJ was kind of a guy on fire um, right now. And I, I can only imagine what the, you know, the Saints coaching staff and players had to deal with with him in the days where he was you know, he was present for practices, but he was still not taking part. So it was still an, he was still being a problem. He was still an issue. Um, And we didn't, we didn't get to talk to him at all during training camp. I mean, another one though is Alvin Kamara was, was one we haven't talked to either in forever, but with Gardner Johnson, it's just, yeah, the, the fiery personality is can only, can only be good for as long as he's happy 
in his surroundings. And when it when he becomes a malcontent, then it becomes an issue for everybody. He's been a big part of what we've done here. Um, I love the player. Um, you know, and, and these moves are not easy. Um, but it was something that we felt like was, you know, going to be a good move for us. And that was Dennis Allen kind of reacting to it. And yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear when you listen to the people talk, they didn't want to trade him, right? Like, I think the team, I've seen a whole lot of, a lot of stuff smeared on Twitter about, oh, well, the team must not have liked him because they didn't, they didn't vouch for him after he was traded and blah, blah, blah. This, he was a valued member of this team. His teammates liked him. They wanted to keep him around. It was not a situation where they're glad to see him gone. You know, he's a friend to these guys. Like, they're, they, they go to war together. Like, that's how it works. They're bonded in that way. And, like, this is not a scenario where everyone's like, well, thank gosh, he's, they, he's not in the room anymore. Great. No, oh, they, that guy's they know not, the right. deal. They understand. And I, I think Demario Davis had a really good kind of explanation for, for how this all kind of broke down. And, uh, and I, like, it's a long answer, but I think it's worth listening to. So uh, here it is. The game is easy. The game is the game. It's a next man up business, it's the NFL. And so you lose good players all the time. I mean, some some Hall of Fame players were on a team and then they weren't. And so how do you replace a boy like that? We've had to do that here at quarterback, losing, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Um, so the game goes on. That's 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 the easy part. The life part is what's challenging. You know, is you know, you, you develop great relationships with individuals and and they're close to you um and, and i guess the fortunate part of it is life is that they're just moving to a different location um but just not being able to see that person every day uh being able to laugh and hang out and and chat with somebody that was a comrade that was right beside you so uh i think <laughs> those emotions don't go away imagine being in, in in high school and having your buddies and then your parents come tell you that you're moving and now you have to go Right. And, uh, you know, you experience that on both sides. You, 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 the kids experience the hurt because they're not able to go hang with their friends. That's the first thing they think about. Uh, and then the parents have to deal with the dynamics of moving, getting adjusted. And that's what players and families have to go through that no one sees. Everybody sees the game, but they don't see what's going on in life behind that. Like you have to sell your house. You have to move your stuff. You have to find new, new schools for your kids. You have to build new relationships. And so to everything, every dynamic that someone else has going on in life, that's what we have, we have going on. And so the game is easy. It's the, it's the life part that's, that's challenging. Demario yeah, so, is so good. <clears throat> he is. And for context, I had asked him, like, what, you know, how do you go about replacing kind of that distinct voice in the locker room? And he basically said, yeah, it's not that hard. It's, you know, <laughs> it was a long answer. He was looking directly at me the whole time. And I was like, okay, you're right. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's something that is easy to overlook. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the, the, the action on the field and, you know, how it affects us, who's going to take over. It's going to be Bradley Roby or Justin Evans or PJ Williams or whatever. But, you know, these guys, there's more to it than that for them. And there's like an emotional element. We saw that with the Pelicans last year when they traded Josh Hart and Nikhil Alexander-Walker yeah. and like, these are bonded people. These aren't just guys who show up and play basketball together. These are friends. These are colleagues. These are people who go through like serious trials and tribulations together. And when guys get sent out of town, it's an emotional thing. Um, and so I don't think that, you know, there's this idea that like, oh, the Saints are just going to be happy that they don't have to deal with them anymore. And that's not true. I don't think that's true at all. What's interesting, um, too, is really two huge alpha personalities. One, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, another one in Quan Alexander, no longer on this 
this defense part of the juice boys. And they were definitely two guys that brought the juice all the time. It's an interesting story. I'll tell you another one. CJ's going to have a friend out in uh, Philadelphia now because Ian Book <laughs> got claimed by the Eagles, who, you know, it's like, are they just trolling the Saints at this point? Why? Why did they claim him? I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe they were like, well, we already have an inside uh, an inside guy on the defense. Now let's get an inside on the offense. And we get Ian Book in there. I don't know. Maybe they see something in Ian Book that, you know, maybe I don't. But yeah, I think it was that's a, a great was odd I think move. That's a great point, getting some inside on the, on the offense. As, as much as folks talk about, oh, no, it really doesn't matter. Everybody has the same plays. And, you know, the, it's just different terminology other places. But getting a little bit inside on this on this Saints team from Ian Book, I, I think is a huge one, and I think a, a great. Well, yeah, and he, he knows all the terminology. That's another thing. Like, exactly you can, right. You're gonna have to change that terminology when you play the Eagles. Although it's week 17, that's the thing. If they're playing in like week four, you know, maybe that would be if, a thing. Week, week 17. Still there by then, right? There's the odds that he's still on the roster by week 17 are probably slim. But like, and also like, you know, the odds that the Saints' offense is running the same way as it was in week one by week 17, it's pretty slim too. So who knows? But I know I thought that was interesting. The Saints only made one waiver claim, and that was Tanner Owen, you know, another entry in the two first name Hall of Fame. Because uh, I thought when I first read it, I thought it was Owen Tanner, but he's not as Tanner Owen, just like Cam Jordan and, Cam- and Jordan Cameron, you know, it's like one of those. Um, but yeah, so that's an offensive tackle, and it'll be interesting to see. They have to keep him on the roster now, so they must believe he can be kind of that depth behind James Hurst. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with Lewis Kidd, who was the only UDFA kept on the roster. Um, but that's going to be the only one. And then beyond that, no other Saints player was claimed. So guys like Dejan Dixon, Kirk Merrick, blah, blah, blah. They can all get to the practice squad. We'll get through a little bit of that um, later on. But yeah, so I think we kind of had established the idea that like, while teams... While they're, the Saints really like guys like Kirk Merritt, Dejon Dixon, Rashid Jaheed, Abram Smith, you know, other teams aren't going to be falling over themselves to claim these guys because that's a commitment, right? And so um, that's what we're going to see. But we're also going to see the Saints revert a few guys to IR. I think we've already seen one in Malcolm Roach. I expect we'll see Trevor Penning going to IR and maybe Traquan Smith. So that'll free up some roster spots, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of get to that in the next segment. Make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening and stick around on Inside Black and Gold. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome 
Welcome back into another segment of Inside Black and Gold. Jeff Nowak along with Steve Geller here. And now talking about the Saints 53-man roster. Not really too many surprises. I think in all, I would say just one, honestly, for me uh, at the linebacker position. And I think the the 53-man roster that you had posted, Jeff, held up pretty well. Yeah, so obviously, you know, there there were a few differences, but for the most part, it, it held up. One of the odd differences was I didn't predict C.J. Gardner-Johnson getting traded, right? So that's one. But my, by my count, I think I got 49 of the 53 players, which feels pretty solid. Um, I got, so the safeties I had put on there, the only one that I didn't have was Daniel Sorensen, who I think probably had his spot, he or Justin Evans, probably had his spot saved by the C.J. trade. Yeah. Totally um, so now you still kept six. You actually didn't cut a single safety. Um, all the safeties that were on the roster going into the cuts, which did not include CJ, stayed on the roster. So you had Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, PJ Williams, JT Gray, Justin Evans, Daniel Sorensen. We got the quarterbacks completely right. That was Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton. The, the wide receivers, we got slightly wrong, although I did say that I expected – Traquan Smith might be kept on the roster and reverted to IR, and I think that's what happened. So you ended up with Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, Deontay Hardy, Marquez Callaway, Traquan Smith, Rashid Tahid, Dijon Dixon, Kirk Merritt were cut, Kawan Baker to the suspended list. We got the running backs right, obviously, because Abram Smith was already cut by the zone and put this up. Kamara, Ingram, Washington, Tony Jones Jr., but we didn't get the fullback right. They did keep the fullback, which I was surprised by in Adam Prentice. Um, tight end was easy. Yeah, Adam Troutman, Nick Vanette, Juwan Johnson, Taysom Hill, Lucas Crawl was cut. Now they reworked Vanette's contract, uh, lowering his base salary, keeping him on the roster. I wonder if they said, "Hey, you, if you want to stick around, you better, you know, drop the price tag a little." Yeah, I think it's very similar to what we saw with Latavius Murray last year, right? They asked him to take a pay cut right before the season. He didn't yeah. do it. They ended up keeping Tony Jones. This was after the cutdown, so they actually kept Latavius Murray through the cutdown, but then they released him prior to week one. And I think this was a similar situation. It was like, you know, we need a blocking tight end, but we need you to make the minimum um, to justify it. And I think that's, you know, he wanted to stick around and he did the team a favor and cut his salary down. And that's, you know, if you want to make a roster, that's a good way to make sure you do it. Right. And we saw like with Latavius Murray, he wouldn't do it. They caught him. (laughs) So they're willing to cut guys. Um, And yeah, I think that's what you saw there. Offensive line was going to be an interesting one because they had to keep Trevor Penning on the roster to revert him to IR and get him back this season. And so the one cut that they made that I didn't have was Nick Martin, the backup center. Although that makes sense because I think backup center is a position you don't necessarily need because you have Cesar Ruiz at guard. Um, But I still think they're going to try to bring Nick Martin back if they can. I, I wasn't really surprised by much on the offensive side at all. The, um, the tight end group, I will say, too, another positive the other day was seeing at least Adam Troutman talking. We hadn't uh, heard from him in a bit, and he revealed that he did go through concussion protocol after suffering a ding in that Green Bay Packers preseason game. I did see him walk off the field a bit dazed. Couldn't confirm, obviously, if it was a concussion or not, but he's all clear and uh, ready to go right now, which will be great, obviously, for week one against Atlanta. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> this is kind of funny because that was my report that he, quote-unquote, banged up his head a little bit. And every now and then you'll see your name pop up in, like, 
a, like a fantasy football notification. Yeah. And it's always weird when it's you that is getting, getting cited. And that's what happened with the Adam Trotman one. Cause I have him on one of my, I think on my dynasty team. And so like, I got a push notification telling me about my own reporting, um, which was weird. And, it, and it's actually, it's on Yahoo and ESPN. It's always just kind of strange when you see your name there. Um, but yeah, so he, he made it sound like he's good to go. So that is, that is good. And it was a head injury, right? He didn't make it sound like he had a concussion, which I think is important to note. He just went through the concussion protocol because there's right. a difference there, right? Like if you, if you get hit in the head and they think you may have been concussed, you go through the concussion protocol, but it's the best case scenario if you do that and you don't actually have a concussion, because as we've seen with some guys, those build up over time. So the fewer you can technically have, you know, you want to see them playing it safe, but the fewer you actually have is good for you long-term. So, so that's good to hear. And uh, yeah, I think that makes you feel a little better about the tight end position, especially week one and beyond. I don't want to have to question my blocking at the tight end position. And he and Nick Finette are both very good blockers. So I feel good about that. Spot. Hopefully we see a little more of Taysom Hill, who that was kind of one of my disappointments, I guess you would say of training camp. The fact that there's still to me, a lot of questions about him at the position because he was, mostly absent i'm okay with that as long as he's healthy i'm okay with it because you know he's used to moving all around in the offense it's really just a question of how, if he can if he can be a little a little tighter on some of the route running and some of the you know not you know just as a pass catcher specifically but i feel i feel confident in his ability to know the offense he's been here long enough um and so it's just a question of how you use him and how you deploy him but yeah i mean there are still questions there but at the same time that's okay for, to me because I want the other team to not have any idea what they're going to be expecting for Taysom. And, you know, that's, that's what you have going into week one against the team that he has historically just dominated. Yes. If you pick one team that Taysom Hill has just completely owned, it's the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, he is a gamer against Atlanta for sure. So he started, he started three games at quarterback against the Falcons and won all three. And I would argue that a game he didn't start was his best game of his career, which was Thanksgiving against the Falcons up in Atlanta when he, he ran for a touchdown, he caught a touchdown pass, and he blocked a punt. It's a pretty good day. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that, and that's the Taysom Hill, you know, that, that Thanksgiving version of Taysom Hill is the one you're hoping to see this year. And that's why I'm excited about Taysom Hill because Taysom Hill, the quarterback, is not exciting to me. <laughs> Taysom Hill, the, the do-everything-else guy, is exciting to me. Yeah, we saw the, obviously the the issue we had with the Liz Frank coming into camp didn't seem to be an issue. Then he suffered the rib injury, and then something else popped up with him where he was missing time too. It just that that's obviously the biggest concern for me is just his health and the ability to stay on the field. I'm not going to ding anybody from a health perspective based on how things went this off season, and the reason is I think we saw a very drastic change in the availability protocol of like when guys get on the field and when they don't. Right. And I think especially during the off season, you're going to, you saw them be very, very proactive with, if you're dealing with something, you're not going to be in practice. Right. So I'm, I'm not gonna, I, you know, the rib thing. Sure. I think he did have a rib injury and I think we've gone over like, you know, one of the reasons I think you ended up with a rib injury for Taysom Hill is he just wasn't ready to take contact. And then you don't come back in a non-contact jersey, which I think kind of lends credence to that idea. So I, I don't know. I, you know, I think he's going to be in a flak jacket during the season. Um, and he's used to that as a quarterback. So we'll see how it goes. But I'm not, I'm not too worried about his health. Anyway, moving on to the defense. The defensive line, I thought, you know, was one of the easier spots to predict. And we got them all right. 
Um, that was Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, Peyton Turner, Carl Granderson, and Tano Passigno at defensive end. David Onyemata, Malcolm Roach, Shai Tuttle, Kentavious Street. The cuts were Josh Black, sixth round pick Jordan Jackson, Taco Charlton, Nico Lalos, and then Albert Huggins went to IR. I thought that Taco Charlton, he had a pretty good showing with the Saints, but the fact that he was really kind of limited as more of just a pass rusher kind of guy wasn't really stout against the run at all. And obviously they had so many other guys there, but the defensive tackle spot now with Roach on IR is definitely interesting because he kind of penciled him in as the starter alongside Onyemata. Yeah, and I expect that to be Shy Tuttle now, maybe Kentavious, right. but I think it's Shy because I think you want to keep Kentavious as kind of that swing guy, that rotational guy. And I think, yeah, I think you just have to bring in someone for depth. And it could be Jordan Jackson. Like I don't, I don't know, but we'll we'll see. You know, they have some guys on the practice squad that they can elevate. So that might be how you handle it: is you sign someone for the, to the practice squad and then you ele- elevate them for the first couple weeks because you can elevate them up to three times, I think, before you have to sign them to the active roster. So. It, that's going to be one of the positions that I think is still kind of finding itself as, as the season goes on. But so we got all those, right. So these were a lot of the positions that we hit hard and we got them right. The position that we didn't, that I got completely wrong, even though I still feel like it was the way that like, it's, it's one of those scenarios where I'm, I have to decide between whether I'm trying to be predictive or I'm trying to be analytical in that, I probably should have been able to predict that the Saints were going to keep Zach Bond because, you know, when it comes to a third-round pick, they don't want to cut bait early on a guy like that. And But in, in my head, I don't think he has done enough to make the roster, right? So I wouldn't keep it. This would still be my roster, the one that I put out. But the one that the Saints put out, Demario Davis, Pete Werner, I think you're really good at those top few spots. <laughs> like, that's good. You're okay with that. Beyond that, I, you know, it gets bleak real fast if you end up having to having to pencil these guys in. Kane Ellis had his moments, you know. And, yeah, you're okay with him, but like, man, like the ceiling is low. You know, like the, I think the floor is high and the ceiling is low because you know what you're going to get, and that's why you put him on the roster. But if you have to rely on him for for a good chunk of time this season, he could get exposed. Um, but Kane Ellis, Andrew Dow, which we expected, he's one of the guys I got right on the special teams side. And then Zach Bond, who, as I said, a third round pick, the guys I had on there were, you know, I had six, I had Demario, Pete, Caden, and then I had Dowell, Nephi Sewell and Eric Wilson. Nephi Sewell ended up on the practice squad. And I know they're working out some linebackers. So I think you're still going to see another name added there, but I, I'm not, I wanted to keep Nephi on the active roster. I just, they just love Zach Bond here, I guess. I don't know. And Chase Hansen couldn't stay healthy. He got cut. John Bostic got cut. Zach, it's another, it's another Zach Bond season. Hopefully he picks it up. Hopefully he kind of finds his way. But you know. Yeah, the, the thing I, with Hansen, we definitely weren't surprised by because of the injury issues there. I, I did think that Wilson would make the roster over Bond as well. And oh, I, I don't want to say surprise, but it was it was a little little bit of a shock there because I thought that Wilson had played really well in the offseason, a veteran veteran presence for the team too. And just, I don't, I don't ever see Zach Bond standing out on defense. And even in that game in green Bay, where you thought, Oh, he's going to, I thought at least maybe this big homecoming and he'll, he'll show up. He still was kind of 
absent until I think like the third or early fourth fourth quarter where I finally remember noticing him. He just hasn't made an impact. Um, but, you know, he has been good on special teams. And these last few roster spots, we went over it last week. It's not always about what you're doing at the main position. Like JT Gray doesn't make the roster because he makes a couple of great plays at safety. You know, Daniel Sorensen doesn't make the roster because he makes a couple of great plays at safety. Andrew Dowell doesn't make the roster because he makes a couple of great plays at linebacker. Dwayne Washington doesn't make the roster because he makes a couple of great runs at running back. They make it because they are important on special teams. And so, you know, if you're looking for a reason why Zach Vaughn got kept around, it probably has to do with his impact on special teams, whether he's a third round pick or not. So take that for what it is. I still like Derek Wilson. I, I think there's a chance they bring him back, but. Yeah, so that's the position that we got the most wrong. When it when I got when I say 49 out of 53, two of those came right there. The other one I got wrong, obviously Daniel Sorensen and then Traquan, who I left off. We got all the rest of them. So I feel like I feel like that's a pretty solid prediction. I feel like for 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 a 53 man roster, you can't uh, you know you're gonna. I I feel like it should be 50 because CJ getting traded, you know, that's like a free space in bingo. Like no one got that, so I'm okay with. It. Yeah, you can't. I, I would agree. You can't factor that one in. Uh, but like with with Vaughn, like you said again, I'm guessing that he has these elite special team skills to go along with the guys like a JT Gray and all. But definitely need to see more from him, and wouldn't be surprised at all though if he ends up being a cut if they do find somebody that they they like more that's available right now besides like an Eric Wilson um, or or a Sewell or you know bringing one of those other guys back. It'll be interesting to see if there's any any cuts from another team that they're interested in at that at the linebacker position, just because the depth there seems to be the biggest concern after Demario and Werner. I think you have enough roster spots that are going to be opened up with Trevor Injuries. likely getting sent to IR, with Traquan likely getting sent to IR. I mean, I was just assuming on Traquan because because of his injury history, um, and he's dealing with that shoulder. So, like, because you brought in Owen Tanner from Buffalo. So he's going to fill that, that spot you opened up by sending Malcolm Roach to IR. And so you're still at 53 there. And then likely Trevor Penning. So that opens up one guy you can sign without cutting anybody. And if you send Traquan, that's another spot. So we'll see. But I think that I think we're going to see this pretty much stand pat. You probably do have to find a quarterback for the practice squad because Ian Book's not there. But I went hard on the, the C.J. Gardner-Johnson trade. The scheme is not as good as it was with him on it. I still think this is a very, very good roster. Oh, absolutely. I mean... Even though I love that one stat you had brought up earlier, um, I, I guess it was when Gardner Johnson was yapping about him being the slot, top slot corner in the NFL. Well, the five games he missed last year, the Saints did not win a single one of them, and I'm sure he loved that. Yeah, and he and he and the team averaged like 29 points a lot per game compared to like 15 when he was playing. Yeah, he retweeted that, and I'm sure the team loves me for putting that out into the world. But hey, we uh, you know, thanks for having those contract talks. And and I'll miss CJ. You know, I'm I'm wishing him the best. Not during week 17, obviously, but I'm wishing him the best. I hope he finds a home out there. And I will say, you know, if he thought we were hard on him, he's in for a rude awakening out in Philly, right? Like oh, yeah. I think we were fair to CJ. You know, Philly's a different animal. Like they throw batteries at people. They boo Santa Claus. Like. If, if you if you get on their wrong side, it could get ugly. And so uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes for him. It's going to be a interesting saw, time in that market. Did you happen to see as soon as he landed in Philadelphia, it was like TMZ. There was an Eagles reporter there waiting. 
Yeah. No. That, yeah. That 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 is a that is a whole different animal. The Philly market. Um, so we'll we'll see how that goes. But you know, I'm rooting for him. I like CJ a lot. Hopefully, he can uh, he can get his deal and and keep balling out there. Look forward to the trash talk on New Year's Day, and seeing what uh, what he what he's going to say with Jameis and everything else to get the uh, the team riled up. I don't think he'll be able to bait anybody though into into doing anything too crazy. Well, they will know what to expect. So exactly. That. But okay, that's going to wrap it up for this segment on Inside Black and Gold. I'm going to cut Steve loose, and we're going to finish out with with some viewer questions and kind of get into you know some of the latest additions to the practice squad, that sort of thing. Stick around on Inside Black and Gold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome back. My name is Jeff Nowak. You're listening to Inside Black and Gold. Make sure if you like what you're hearing, hit that subscribe button. Give us five stars if you don't mind. Give us a review if you have any input you'd like to share. And we're going to get right into, well, I say we're, I'm going to get right into it here. I had to cut Steve loose. Steve, Steve is going out of town. We recorded the first two segments in the morning. And then I had to run out to the facility, the Saints facility, got a few good interviews in the locker room. And now I'm back recording the final segment, which, and it was a good thing I went out there because they have not yet announced the practice squad as I record this. It is 5 p.m. on Wednesday. But, you know, one of the ways you can find out who the practice squad is, is by going to practice, which we did, and <laughs> kind of IDing who didn't make the roster, but was still out there. Um, so here are the 14 names that I saw at practice who had been cut, which indicates that they are on the practice squad. So the 14 names that I saw out there who got cut yesterday and were participating in practice today. Defensive back Vincent Gray, that's not a surprise to me. I thought that what he showed in that final preseason game where he played cornerback and safety, you have Dennis Allen loves talking about positional versatility. And anytime you see a guy doing that, you can bet, you know, dollars to donuts. They're going to try to keep him around. And that's what's going on with Vincent Gray. Also cornerback DeMarcus Fields, linebacker Chase Hansen, linebacker Nephi Sewell, linebacker Eric Wilson, defensive tackle Josh Black, defensive tackle Jordan Jackson, offensive lineman Josh Andrews, center Nick Martin, wide receiver Dejon Dixon, wide receiver Kirk Merritt, wide receiver Rashid Shaheed, and tight end J.P. Holtz. Um, I had someone tell me they saw John Bostic out there as well. I didn't see him. I didn't identify him by them, by his number, so I'm not going to report that he's on the practice squad, but um, 
that's the other name that I was aware of that I wasn't able to confirm. So keep that in mind. The, so that's 15. You have a 16 man practice squad. That's 15 players. And I think what probably happened there is the 16th player was supposed to be Ian book and he was signed or he was claimed on waivers by the Eagles. So I think that's probably why you only have 15. The guy who wasn't out there who I was surprised by was Abram Smith. Number 33 was not on the field. He's not on the practice squad as far as I can tell, but maybe he will be now that you have that extra spot open, but that's going to be something we need to watch for. The saints have not had not announced the practice squad as of 5 PM. By the time this posts, you'll probably have the full list, but that's what I am aware of right now. And we're going to kind of go off that, but I think that is a pretty solid list. It's pretty close to the list that I had put out in my projection um, with the exception of obviously Chase Hansen, Nephi Sewell, I had on my final roster. I'm kind of bummed that they didn't make the final roster, but you do keep them around on the practice squad. You're able to elevate them a few times throughout the season and maybe sign them if you end up needing them down the road to the active roster. So that's a good thing. And I think that's a pretty solid practice squad. Um, the only question I have is whether you need to go out and find a quarterback, which I think you probably do whether it's KJ Costello, who is a little familiar with the system, you had him in one way or another. I think you need someone who can go out there and run scout team quarterback. Right. And I think that the saints are probably a little bummed because they wanted to, you know, keep Ian book on the practice squad. Right. He's a guy who knows the offense. He's a guy who can move around. He's athletic. He can simulate some of these mobile quarterbacks you're going to end up facing. And the Eagles, you know, <laughs> I don't know what they saw in Ian Book. You know, I, I think that he's an interesting player, an intriguing player, but I was very surprised to see him claimed on waivers just from what we saw in the preseason. But hey, you know, they, they now get to keep Ian Book on the roster and he's going to be backing up Jalen Hurts to some, to, to some degree. So, hey, you know, good for him. Good for Ian, right? He gets a shot on another roster and he gets a guaranteed spot on their 53, because when you claim someone off waivers, you get a guaranteed spot on the 53. One player who did make the 53 roster, the only UDFA to make the 53-man roster this year is Lewis Kidd, who I was able to chat with in the locker room today and take a listen. Coming as a UDFA, you know, just how, what is that feeling like when you make the roster? Just because it's such a hard road to actually get to that initial 53. Yeah, yeah, it's super surreal. Um, you still kind of almost don't even feel like, you know, Oh, is this is this legit? Like, you know, you kind of see it on Twitter circulating and stuff, and it's like, all right, can I get excited yet? Like, is this is this time? But it's, you know, it's exciting stuff. You know, I had my you know my excitement time and all that stuff, and I'm still super excited. Um, you know, eager to, to continue to learn and to grow. Um, but at the end of the day, like I kind of told the other people, is like, I'm just I'm I'm here to work still. Um, nothing's really changing. Um, I'm here. I'm a part of this team now, and I'm, I'm very excited to be a part of this culture and be a part of this organization. And, um, you know, it's just the work continues, and that's what I plan on doing, just put my head down and getting better every day. Gotcha. And, you know, just coming into the NFL, what was the – was there anything that really kind of you did not expect from a work perspective, from a game perspective? No, honestly, I mean, you know, I feel like, you know, you play college ball long enough, there's kind of that um, – that process, you know, game day stuff, how how the weeks work out, all that stuff is like it prepares you pretty pretty well, honestly, in my opinion. At least, you know, coming from Montana State, even though it was a smaller school, but you know, how you practice, um, you know, good on good versus scout team, stuff like that. 
um, you know, how you travel, you know, how you take care of your body and stuff. But um, as far as just like the organization part and the whole process of it, it's been it's been a pretty smooth transition. I've enjoyed it, and um, you know, the support staff, the coaches, and all the team makes it super easy for you. So never been any issues there. Gotcha. And this is a pretty veteran group. A lot of first round picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Eric's the only second round pick on the starting mm-hmm. line. You know, so has that helped kind of in that process? There's a lot of people to kind of pull information from. Kind of lean on. Hundred percent. I mean, you know, this this group has a lot of a lot of information and a lot of gold. That you're trying to dig at because it's like these guys have played a lot of games. They played a lot of games together, um, which I think is is super important, you know, um, because even though you got guys who have played a long time, if they've played with you know multiple different people, there's some there's some good in that. But I think you know as an O line as a unit, um, to be able to say that you've played years together with a core group, um, you know, only makes you better. I think the communication level is awesome. Something really to strive for. Something to look at and be like, okay, I want to be able to communicate with these guys, how they communicate with each other, and just kind of mesh into that as best as I can. Um, but it's been awesome. A lot of information, a lot of great experience, um, you know, being able to pick their brains about different things, different plays. Um, it's been awesome. So, you know, Lewis Kidd is interesting. I don't know if he would have made the roster if not for Trevor Penning's injury, but, you know, good for him. You know, it's an opportunity for him to step forward. You know, the Saints did claim Tanner Owen off the Bills, off the Bills cut list. And so they're going to have to keep him on the roster. And so I do wonder what that means for Lewis Kidd. They might revert him to the practice squad. But either way, it's a cool story. Small school kid able to get a chance to make that roster. That doesn't happen for a lot of people. It's rare to see guys make the practice or make the 53-man roster as a UDFA. And I think it says a lot about, you know, what the work he put in um, in his rookie season. So good on him. And, uh, you know, you just kind of kind of keep going and see what happens there. Um, here's a good question. So what's so special about Traquan Smith? Now, one thing to keep in mind here, there are a few players who I think made the roster because you plan to put them on IR, right? Malcolm Roach reverted to IR today. I think Trevor Penning reverts to IR. And I wouldn't be surprised if Traquan Smith, who's dealing with a shoulder injury, reverts to IR. And that probably saved his spot on the roster. He might have had one either way. But what's so special about Traquan Smith? Well, you know, he's something, he's a guy who does what the dirty work, he does the things that not everyone excels at. Every every wide receiver wants to go out there and, uh, you know, catch passes and not everyone dreams about going out there and just blocking on a, you know, on a, on a crack toss play, but that's what he does and he does it well. And that's going to find you a spot on the roster. You know, another guy, Nick Bennett, who restructured his deal, you know, much like Latavius Murray last year, I don't know if, if he declines that, <laughs> he probably doesn't make the roster. So these are the things that, you know, the, the, there's a thin line here and you kind of go for it. But that's, you know, Traquan, it's easy to do that and you kind of go from there. But they just released Dwayne Washington earlier today. So that was while I was driving home. Well, he is dealing with an injury, so it'll be, I wouldn't be surprised if they do bring him back on the practice squad. Um, the other guy who's dealing with an injury is Paulson Adebo. We found out today that's an ankle injury. And so he's expecting to be ready week one. I talked to Landon Young and Carl Granderson. They both say they're healthy and ready to go week one. So that's good. Adam Troutman, another guy who was dealing with an injury, sounds like he's good to go. So, yeah, let's just get into it. Why did they release Dwayne Washington? Well, I expect it's because he's dealing with an injury. And rather than revert him to IR, they decided to release him so they can probably, because they had to make a roster move somewhere. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy who gets brought back um, he's a valuable special teams guy, 
But I also think it probably tells you that they're confident in Tony Jones Jr. He's a guy who made the roster for the second consecutive year. And uh, he's going to have a role on special teams. But I, I am surprised to see that Dwayne Washington is no longer on the roster. He's been there for so long. He feels like he just has a baked-in role. Um, but it'll be interesting to watch over the next 24 hours. They did have to make a corresponding move with Tanner Owen. There's going to be some spots opening up. I think this might be a situation where there's a veteran player, much like you saw Aldrich Roses last year, um, Alex Arma last year. They got released and that with the intention of bringing them back because the Saints felt confident that they could bring them back. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's what's happening with Dwayne Washington here. But it does mean, you know, he can go sign somewhere else if he will, if he wants to. So that is uh, that is interesting. And yeah, that literally happened as I was walking out of the door of the facility and in the car on the way home. So um, that is surprising to me for sure. It means that you have a running back room of Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram and Tony Jones Jr., which. That sure sounds like a room that's going to get another name in it somewhere, whether that's Dwayne Washington or somebody else. I would expect him to come back. You know, someone says Washington is not that good. I mean, he's a special teams contributor. I'm not surprised that he might not be in the RB3 race. I thought that going in where Tony Jones Jr. made more sense. But he's a good special teamer. He's a valuable guy to have around. And I would be surprised if they just released him with no intention of bringing him back. But we'll end up seeing in the next couple of days. You know, it's a it's a rough day for, you know, players that have been around for the last few years because CJ is no longer there. But we did talk to Dennis Allen today. One thing that he said that was interesting is they're not going to necessarily just say, OK, this is the slot corner, right? The way CJ was the slot corner, we knew what he was going to play. It sounds like their plan is going to be, OK, let's look at the team we're facing. What do they like to do out of the slot? Do they have a really athletic tight end like Kyle Pitts? Maybe that's a guy who you need a more physical corner. So maybe you'll go with a PJ Williams or Justin Evans or an Alante Taylor. Is this more of a cover situation where they run a lot of fast receivers out of the slot? Because I think that would suit Bradley Roby a little better. And I think that's what you're going to have where Dennis Allen really likes to be adjustable. And I think this allows him to do that. So if you are looking for the the most minuscule silver lining in CJ Gardner-Johnson's departure, it's probably that you can be a little more unpredictable with how you adjust your game plan on the defensive side of the ball as it pertains to nickel, the nickel corner more than you could in the past, because you knew that that was CJ's bag and he was going to be doing it. So I think it's a weak silver lining, but you could argue it. And uh, that's, that's kind of what I expected him to say, because that's something that he values very much is positional versatility and not having to be pigeonholed into, okay, we're doing this every week. It's one of the reasons you, brought in Marcus May and Tyron Matthew because you feel comfortable with one playing strong, one playing free, and then flipping it whenever you need to. So I think you're going to see a similar situation with some of the depth safeties and the nickel corner. Marlon Mack is still out there. Yeah, that's an interesting option if they decide to go there. They'd have to sign him off the Texans practice squad because he did get signed to the Texans practice squad. But he's an option. But I think it's a tough sell to me to look at a guy who just got released by the Texans who aren't exactly a powerhouse in the run game. You know, Damian Pierce looked good, not great. Um, that doesn't inspire a ton of confidence to me that, that he's ready to go. The guy who I might take a long look at is Trey Sermon, who got released by the 49ers. Um, he's a second year player. And I think his issue was, you know, more so that he was stuck behind Elijah Mitchell and they just drafted another running back in the mid rounds. I think Ty Davis price at LSU. So I think he might be a guy who you take a flyer on if you, uh, if you really feel that he might not have gotten a fair shake out in San Fran, but uh, I would be surprised if it's Marlon Mack. 
And I think from what we know about the Saints and how they operate in terms of these last few roster spots, I would be surprised if you don't see Dwayne Washington back in the building in the next couple of days. But that's uh, that's just my take on it. So one other thing that I'll mention that when we talked to Bradley Roby, he didn't exactly light up when we when we brought up the concept of him playing in the slot. I think it's something that he'll do if he's asked to. But I'm he didn't strike me as a guy who's who's thrilled about the prospect of playing in the slot. So that'll be interesting to watch. I don't know if it's definitely going to be Bradley Roby in the slot. I really don't. I think PJ Williams might profile as the better option there, especially when you're talking about like Atlanta, for instance, you know, week one where you're going to have to figure out how to cover Kyle Pitts. He's a big dude. You got to be physical with that guy. And I just don't think that's, you know, I think Bradley Roby is a really good cornerback. I think he's a good cover corner. He's just not physical at the point of attack, right? I just don't, I don't think that's his, that's the, the primary strength of his game. Whereas being a ball hawk is a really strong element in his game. And I want to see him in coverage with the ability to kind of, you know, crash down and play kind of robber sets where he can go and make those interceptions. Because I think getting your hands on the ball and being able to catch it as a defensive back is a skill that not everyone has. And I think you want to take advantage of that. And it's a whole harder to take advantage of that in the slot. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's PJ week one, um, but that'll be something to watch. And I think that's also something that if PJ is out there week one, that that's not necessarily going to be the plan every week. Again, this is the final segment of the episode of Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller and myself recorded the first two this morning, but he had to go out of town. So it's kind of a weird disjointed episode, but that's going to wrap it up on this episode of Inside Black and Gold. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hit me up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can hit Steve up on Twitter at Steve Geller, WWL. Make sure to check out WWL.com for the latest news, notes, and analysis. I have the list of practice squad entries there, and we'll see how it goes. All right, y'all. Peace.